All right, so I've got Rob on the phone, another musician that reached out about the interview series. So I'm going to go ahead and give him the chance to introduce himself. Hey, my name is Rob Jackson. I run Noise Label out of San Francisco Bay Area. I have a rock band project called UK Bloke, and I have a promotions company called Rip Star. I'd be happy to answer any questions you have. Awesome. So with these interviews, um, you know, I very much like to explore, you know, how you first got into music. Um, what about it was kind of inspiring to you and made you want to, uh, you know, pursue it throughout your life? Well, my earliest memories are uh, basically credited to my mom. She used to blast things like the Yes, Going for the One album and just turn it way up. And I was like two or three running around looking at her and she's singing all the time. Um, so I think a lot of my inspiration came from that. And then also just having a lot of experiences as a young person that migrated from Kentucky to the San Francisco Bay Area and all that came with that uh, really tapped me into being a poet actually so from from the loss and the suffering and the gang activity and all these things i was witnessing i was looking for a way to to communicate and i found poetry was my answer at the time awesome so how long would you say you know it took you before you started to kind of put that poetry to music and start to learn the instrumentation side of it that's a great question that's been a really long process for me man i I didn't even know I was getting into music until I was in my like mid twenties. Uh, I started writing poetry at 13. So I didn't even know I was writing songs. I, even though some of it came to me as song, I would walk around and these chant like things just came at me. Um, and so I, I guess uh, there was like a couple of instrumental people, like uh, a professor, an Irishman. He, he really supported my poetry. He let me turn in all my homework for every subject in poetry, which was pretty awesome. Uh, that was high school. <laughs> so uh, basically at that point, I just thought I was a poet, you know, and then later on in life, I started working, uh, volunteering in the community, actually, with the Unity Foundation, the guy named Billy McCarthy. Um, He's still running stuff out of, I think, L.A. area. Anyway, he taught me how to do basic production, stage productions, little small events, things like that. And I found myself at a point in time where uh, as a public servant, I wasn't really pulling my my weight on the, the wage factor. So I had to do something extra and promotions of all things. I thought I was going <laughs> to make money there. So, so I went into music productions and live event productions and it was OK. It, it didn't really win a lot of bread, but it was a way of gathering people. And I was really attracted to, I was more attracted to the art and the talent and gathering people. It felt like kind of a religious ceremony kind of thing where people would just come together and smile in a room. And I kind of got hooked on this idea of, you know, good shows, lots of people having a good time. Um, and once you, once you achieve a really cool, well attended show, it's almost like you just want to see the next one and you, you just keep going at it. So I did that for a number of years. Um, and then over time, I developed the relationships with the talent and I realized, you know, I've got all this poetry sitting around. So I actually started by hiring the talent around me to help me with these ideas to see if any of it could be used in songs. And over time, it developed into a, a 100 song effort. And uh, gradually, I guess 
the second generation, my kid, uh, my kid was trained as a professional singer. Cause I'm like kind of more on the amateur side of singing. And she noticed what I was trying to do, became a professional herself. Hope, most of it was uh, San Francisco girls chorus and some influence from her mom, who's also an artist. And, uh, once she was trained, um, she started training me on just basic music theory. And she was like, well, if you're really trying to do this, you need to learn an instrument. So why don't you start with the ukulele? So in the last few years, I picked up the ukulele. I'm starting to learn. I got maybe like six or seven chords, basic things, and a lot of rocks, three chord rock. So if I can just get that down, I'll be <laughs> making progress. Um, yeah. Okay. So um, do you think that you've kind of moved on from that uh, production side of it to now you're kind of uh, developing your solo stuff and working on the poetry that you've done? Where would you kind of say that you uh, fit into, you know, where you see yourself going? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think my skill set is pretty varied now at this point because I've been doing this for about 20 years, I've reached over couple million people. Um, and mainly thanks to all the artists that I work with. I, I think I've got like 20 or so people on my, uh, list here that have contributed to these songs and they've gotten more and more professional, larger level promoters, pro, you know, producers, uh, helping me as we have gone through this process. But my strength is really delegation. It's directing and, and, and the studio, uh, requesting and sending back and getting things cut right. And, and, uh, that is one of my strengths, the, the poetry, the lyric writing, the helping my clients grow and develop their, their thing is, is something I'm getting into now. I, I thought I would always avoid management, but I'm starting to get into it. I got a, a 12 year old that caught my attention and their band's called the ultraviolets. So I'm going to be helping them grow as artists, uh, to become more, uh, you know, professional as they develop. And, uh, I don't know. I think for me, I, I enjoy making the songs. I'm not so much the performer. So I always see it like I'm making the songs and I'm having other folks take the spotlight. So I'll probably continue more in that, uh, range. It is a goal for me, however, to get to the point where I'm comfortable in small groups, especially younger folks. I might do like a couple of little opening little spots and test myself out. Um, I'm not sure I'm comfortable in the spotlight, so I might do, uh, running some background tracks and just playing a bunch of different instruments running around the room, looking crazy and, uh, have somebody else taking the, the front on that. So that that's kind of a project in, in the baking stages right now. And I'm doing a quarterly event in San Francisco, mainly focused on visual art and, uh, having some bands, couple of acts uh, supporting the night. Uh, that's where I'm at right now with the, the live stuff. I'm just mainly doing visual art because uh, I'm a visual artist as well. Okay. And you mentioned that you're also operating a recording studio. Um, I basically have something like seven different studios around the world that I work with. Um, there are people that I contract to do the work producers, uh, Mark pistols, one here in San Francisco, he runs something called room five. Um, he is in a band called consolidated. I think he has another project. I'm not sure what that name is, but, but he's pretty well known as a producer. Uh, he runs sound over at the Fillmore. Most people know what the Fillmore is when they come to the Bay to do, you know, pretty large shows at the Fillmore. 
But um, yeah, he's great. So he's helping me out a lot and he understands my position. I'm not a classically trained musician by any means. So uh, when I work with folks, like I'll show them my, my three or four chords on the ukulele and I'll, I'll play it and it'll be a strong, you know, idea riff sort of thing, but I'm not perfect. And they have to kind of take it and put it in a perfect time for me because I don't even use a metronome. I just do everything by how I feel it. And uh, that gets to be problematic when you're trying to do <laughs> bands and, and stuff like that. So, um, and these professionals around me take these ideas, polish them out. And, uh, then I go in and get a professional singer to come in and, and add the, the layers on it. And, and then we come out with the songs like you see on UK blokes first album calling wolf, pretty, pretty solid production. You would never believe that it was somebody that doesn't know a lot about music theory, put that together. But, um, yeah, thanks to people like Dan Medina over in Spain. That guy's incredible. Uh, he did a lot of work on that Colleen Wolf album. Cuba Music over in Poland. Awesome. That guy has a solid studio. I work with him in, in Poland. Tom Fairbain in Edinburgh, Scotland. Awesome character. He helped me produce a song with my daughter. Um, and we have all sorts of songs from, from all places all over the world it's it's amazing sure so to kind of put it into a nutshell essentially what you're doing is taking the poetry that you've previously written and then kind of coming up with the basic song structure for it and then giving it to other producers to kind of flesh out with whatever acts that you know they feel it best fits with uh no it's not quite like that um i i'm very selective so everyone that's on my team are handpicked these are artists that i know or artists i picked so um it's my crew and and the, the uh lyrics are mostly mine but i now have to start crediting people like john cheatham over in england because he basically helped fund the entire production of calling wolf so he's a well-known poet himself and what he did was he supplied uh some poetry and then i turned that poetry into lyric and i also have a client alicia limkey who's coming on board and she, and these folks are folks that love music want to support artists in the community they see someone like me who's trying to get music made and and has all these connections and get them price breaks really like third of the normal prices to make these songs professional songs. And they're just pleased if I, you know, use impressions of their art or a line here or there blended into what I'm doing. And then they get credits, right? They're also part of the the back end. They're not only a team member with full, you know, membership in, in our organization, but they they can actually earn uh, money when I license these these songs. Which, which is starting to happen, you know, although I do avoid the music mafia entirely, I, I don't go with the ASCAPs and the BMIs of the world or any of these middle people. Uh, I go for direct sync licensing with pretty small level uh, indie artists, other artists that are like making films and things like that. I'm more interested in, in uh, helping support art and, and making the movement stronger um, together. So we're, we're doing Ripstar uniting through music is, is my 
promotions company and uh, I avoid all these things. The only thing I use is like Bandcamp and SoundCloud. Those two are pretty cool uh, distribution points, but most of the other distribution points are just frauds. You know, they're stealing money from people. They're, they're not helping at all. And, and I, I don't believe in anything really that, that most of those people are about or doing. So um, the, that's, that's one side that's very interesting is we're holding out, we're holding on to all of our rights. We own everything and we can therefore more easily do a transaction directly uh, when we get into licensing. Sure, definitely. That's, you know, uh, it seems more and more that as kind of those main industries around there, like Spotify, Discord, that type of stuff, um, the more that they try to capitalize on independent artists, the more independent artists are kind of moving away to different avenues. Yeah, and they should. You know, the the old school uh, way of a label investing in an artist that's upcoming that doesn't exist anymore, as far as I could see. Uh, they they have you demonstrating that you're selling a ton of material, and if you're sell if you're already selling a ton of material, why do you need them? You know, it's kind of like it kind of starts to scratch your head, like, well, do I really need a big label if I'm selling reasonable amount of material on my own? Uh, so the do it yourself thing is becoming you know super tried and true and people like Amy Mann and people like that, the early ones that, that went and, and just did it with their own crews that that's to me, those are good demonstrations, good business models. Awesome. So with all the time that you've been, you know, working with all these musicians and everything, what are some of the uh, you know most prominent memories that stand out to you that have, you know, kept you motivated? Uh, well, you know, some of the memories, I guess, the, the, when, when we'd have like a packed show at the three thirty Ridge, I remember, you know, my, my friend from Russia, Katie, we would just, we'd be celebrating. And, uh, to me, those are the, the moments that make sense. Like we were just really having a good time. Everybody was happy, uh, you know, good music, great sound. I, I really enjoy being able to hire a crew. Like those were the days where, you know, the place was so crowded. I had security at the front and, and somebody at the door and be paying the sound guy, be paying the bands. And, and that was like fun in terms of like the live event production. And then later on in the live event production, I went away from, from that model so the free model and ended up at Winner's Tavern, which, by the way, is one of my sponsors now. Um, and if anybody wants to get a show in the San Francisco Bay Area, they definitely should hit up Winner's Tavern. Uh, the email there is winners, winterspacifica at gmail.com, winterspacifica at gmail.com. And uh, they'll do booking there for you. But basically, uh, it's a small space. It's a stage that is you know lifted up maybe a foot up off the ground, 15 foot or so stage. Um, they just put in new sound equipment. So that was cool. Good, good cables. You can sound good there. And he streams like the, the little you know movies and things of, of uh, podcasting and all that stuff happens there too. But um, it's a cool little space. So the little intimate show actually ended up being uh, the thing. You know, it, it wasn't about, for me, it was never about a stadium or, you know, some big thing, even though I had 
keys given to me a couple of times, very big places in, in Richmond. There's a really super huge hall there. I think it holds like 5,000 people. And uh, they were telling me that I could, I could use it, but I was like, well, unless Carlos, Carlos Santana says, yes, I don't think I could fill a 5,000 arena. Uh, so, so I really never used the, the bigger spaces, but um, yeah, the, the small show, the intimate setting, the, the people doing their craft, you know, um, it's something sacred about that to me. So that's, that's when I do shows now, I do kind of like that, like smaller shows, 50, hundred heads. Um, and I'm very pleased. Awesome. So, uh, along those lines, when you do put on shows, you know, where can people find that? Where are you posting to social media? Uh, and where can people check out your stuff? Yeah, sure. Um, you can find me at ripstar SF on Instagram. That's mainly my visual art uh, location, but you can shoot messages to me there. Uh, I think that's the only public profile I have at the moment. So that would be a good, good place to catch me. Uh, Bandcamp, you can find us, um, in Bandcamp where we're at UK bloke period bandcamp.com. And, uh, those are the two spots you can find the music and, and relate to me. Yeah. Excellent. Um, and uh, I always like to give the person I'm interviewing the opportunity to put out their last words. So just a message you want to put out there that, you know, you think you resonate with. Sure. I, I'll share one that my daughter, Ava Jackson, gave me, and that was do it because you love it. And, uh, you know, that's that's if you do that, you're in the kind of the flow, right? You're you're inspired and, and creating a, a, a space where other people can be inspired, hopefully. So that's that. I would share that with you guys.